Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I am your host for today, Michael Martin, and I am joined by the great Barry Trammell. Barry, how are you doing on this fine uh, Tuesday evening? Doing pretty good, Mike. I'm, you know what? I'm getting a little fired up about the Thunder. Every game, even sometimes when they lose, I see things I like, and uh, particularly for the future. So I'm getting a little, uh, I'm getting a little fired up about this team. Not necessarily for this year, but certainly for the future. No, there's a lot to be excited about going forward. I mean, I have a great time watching all these games. I think that the team is fun, and you you are definitely right to be fired up because, you know, right now they're on a three-game win streak capped off by last night's win when they go 121 to 114 in Atlanta winning. Shea scores 35 points on 10 of 22 shooting, including 15 of 15 from the line. This was Shea's 17th 30-point game of the season, Barry, and his seventh straight game of scoring 30 uh, just straight up right now. Yeah, it's... Um, I have to... You know, I read a story 30 years ago, probably, and uh, Bill James is the great baseball writer. He grew up in Kansas, big Kansas City Royals fan. That's how he got involved in baseball, became one of the pioneers of analytics and those kinds of things. But he was talking about, he heard a Cleveland Indian game sometime in the 80s or 90s. And it was late in the year. The Indians were 30 games out of first place, and somebody was at bat, and you know, the announcers were talking about, you know, maybe this guy could you know, get six more hits in the next three or four games and get up to 150 hits for the season. And he said, oh, yeah, that's what I used to do when I was a kid and the Royals were no good. And I'd find all these statistics that maybe they could reach. He said, the kind of things we quit worrying about once the team got good. And I thought of that the last couple of games because I've been charting. I chart all the games anyway, but I sort of keep a running total of Shea's point total. Hoping he gets to 30, you know, I'm wanting to win the scoring title, all that kind of stuff. And I thought of Bill James thinking, you know, this is the kind of thing he was talking about, which is this stuff doesn't really mean anything. It's not going to, it's not going to be conducive to winning. It's just something you do when you know, you're not going to be in the playoff race or you're not going to, you know, have a contender. So I'm constantly thinking of SGA's, scoring average and a shooting percentage and all those things. Uh, but the th- cool thing is he rarely disappoints. He had what? 12 points at halftime last night. And I don't know if he scored much in the third quarter. He went through. Oh, in fact, I got it right here. I can look. He, he did not have a, he did not have a strong. Um, oh, well, wait, no, I'm sorry. He had 11 points in the third quarter. It was at, at halftime, he had 12 points. And you're thinking, he's not going to get 30 tonight. 
And then, of course, he gets 11 in the third and then whatever it was in the fourth, 14 or whatever, well, 12 in the fourth. So um, he's fun to follow, incredible production, um, good f- efficiency, piles up the foul shots. You know, they weren't blowing the whistle last night at all. SGA goes without uh, – he didn't have any free throws in the first half, and then he finishes 15 of 15. So – um, he's a fun guy to watch, but he's also a guy to, he's a fun guy to follow numerically, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It just feels inevitable at times, just how many points he's going to score. And then I know that you love history. You talked about Bill James. I'll go back to the NBA. Barry, only 15 players in NBA history have averaged 30 points and six assists in a season. Only three of the 15 did it before turning 24. Could you name the three that did it before turning 24? Oh, that's a great, okay. Three players before before 24 did go went 30 and six um 30 points a lot of points jerry west jerry west is not one of them oscar robert oscar robertson is one of them i would i would have guessed jerry west oscar robertson and I don't think Tiny Archibald, but I'll say Tiny Archibald. He did do it. There's one left. Oh, he's one of the... I got time. Wow. I figured he did that after he turned 24. Got I mean, older than 24. Uh, one left besides Nate Archibald. Uh, I'm not going to get it. Who was it? LeBron James did it. Well, I mean, who, who's that? Who's that? I never heard of that. Yeah, exactly. And uh. Shea, Gilgis Alexander, <laughs> wow. and uh, Luka Doncic are on pace for that. More Thunder history. Um, Shea with his seventh, 30, uh, seventh straight 30-point game. Ties Kevin Durant in 2009-2010 for the fourth longest streak of scoring 30 in Thunder history. Only trailing Russell Westbrook's eight during his MVP season. Nine in a row from KD in 2009-2010. And finally, the record is... 12 straight from KD during his MVP season in 2013-2014. So pretty good company for oh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. It is fun, and it's a lot of fun. Here's the deal. You know, I went to the Kiwanis Club at Bethany today, speaking engagement, and I told him, I said, listen, here's the reason for celebration in Thunderville. The Thunder knew they had a star. And start in Shea Gilgis Alexander. Here's what we've learned now in a month and a half of this NBA season. The Thunder has a superstar in Shea Gilgis Alexander. So the next step, finding him a sidekick, you know, you still want to find another superstar, but it's not as imperative as, you know, just a, a, a regular old fashioned star, top 15 type guy. That's, that's plenty because. This Thunder has a superstar, and it's it's um, it's really comforting to know that you have a building block like this guy. Yeah, you already have the cornerstone. It. You have the centerpiece of this roster, the biggest piece of the puzzle. Now it's just filling in pieces around him. But let's get into last night's game. What did you see from the Thunder that you liked or disliked or anything like that? And another comeback win on the road. I got two words for you. Usman Zhang. That's what I liked. I like this guy. I know he's not playing a lot. I know he's capable of going 0 for 7 from three-point range tomorrow night. But he looks like a ball player to me. He's six foot ten, and he has court sense. 
He look, he has, he has awareness. He's a good passer, um, for one thing. And last night he's making shots, six of eight from the field, uh, whatever he wants, three of four from, from, uh, from downtown. I just, I like this guy. He looks like to me, I don't know. He looks a little bit like a more coordinated Jeremy Grant. I can see like that. To me. Yeah, he reminds me you a little know, bit. I'm a big guy. I don't want to be the French to French comparison guy, but Nicholas Batum is someone in pre-draft they compared him to who I like that a lot. Is a guy who can handle it a little bit. Really? Defend, shoot the three. Obviously, we're a ways away they from that. They think he can shoot like Nick Batum? Yeah. They think he's going to be able to shoot like Nick Batum? Maybe. I mean, it's just a comp. Those things man. are always rough, but who knows if, with that. If he shoots like Nick Batum, man. Yeah, I just like him because he's so dang tall, and he does a lot of things. He gets in the way on defense. Uh, he can pass. Looks like he could guard. Not necessarily now, but at some point, looks like he could guard a lot of different kinds of players. You know, Jeremy Grant played everything from shooting guard to center for the Thunder, and I guess still does. Yeah, his, I mean, he's been great. Travels. His so, his basketball IQ and just how smooth he is has really stood out to me as a rookie because usually that's on defense, yeah. that's where a lot of guys get lost, but that seems to be his comfort zone so far. Yeah, man, he's 19 years old. That's what I like best about him. So, Yeah, but another uh, uh, great Thunder comeback. They uh, In their last three games, Barry, the Thunder have outscored their opponents in the fourth quarter 106-68. to 68. Wow. It's uh that's impressive. Um you know they've I get the uh you know Joe wrote about this the the Minnesota and then uh then the script last night in Atlanta very similar from Saturday night to Monday very similar scripts in terms of you know sort of shaky or not very not very strong in the first half. Um and you know the Thunder's getting some breaks in terms of the competition. Timberwolves are playing without Katmandu then Rudy Gobert decides to get himself kicked out of the game. And then last night, Hawks are missing two starters, uh, Hunter and John Collins, two players I like a lot. But still, you know, that's a vet, that's a veteran team with two all-stars in the backcourt um, and, a, and a playoff veteran center who can wreak havoc in Clint Capella. And... You know, they understood up to him and, and basically took it to him uh, after the last, well, I mean, the, the last the last three, two quarters in the second half really took it to him. So, um, yeah, I thought it was a very encouraging, very encouraging game. I'd say the same. I mean, you go on the road and you get back-to-back wins against two teams that were in the playoffs last season. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich returned last night, even without John Collins and DeAndre Hunter. He was big. He had 17 points off the bench, including 5 of 10 from 3. DeJounte Murray, who was one of the premier defenders in the league, had 24 points, but looked like he could not keep up with SGA, who flipped the game when he finally got into the lane and was able to collapse the Atlanta defense, along with some big makes from three from his teammates down the stretch of the game. And then JRE really stood out to me. as He's just been solid all season, just as an underrated guy. He has been. But he's just sturdy and just reliable. He is. Well, this was, you know, you're always asking me about something I want to plug, and I can still do this, but um, at the at the end, but we can talk about it now. Today in my scissor tails, 
I came up with the list of the 20 best rookie seasons in Thunder history. Um, in terms of, and I just, rather than do it subjectively, I just did it off of uh, PER, uh, player efficiency rating, which maybe you like that, maybe you don't. But it's it's a it's a fairly solid um, it's a fairly solid metric. Jeremiah Robinson Earl's rookie season last year was one of the best in Thunder history. There have been 20 rookie seasons where guys have played at least 36 games, and JRE's rookie season last year ranked sixth in PER. It's better than Stone Cold Steven Adams' rookie season. So I don't think he's going to be a great player. I don't even think he's going to be a starter on a good team. But he looks like a guy that can play. He looks like a guy that can just flat help you. Yeah, he Jeremiah just looks Robinson like a contributor. He he reminds me a little yeah. bit of Grant Williams from the Celtics. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, he's not the same kind of player. But he, in terms of just a guy that goes out and does what he's supposed to and does it pretty well, Kevon Looney from the Warriors type of guy. Um I, I don't know, JRE, you don't want him guarding big people, really big people, for in very long stretches, because that, that gets him. Mm-hmm. But he just doesn't have the size. But, you know, if he's your backup center slash backup power forward, and, you know, you can use him depending on what kind of matchup you got, That's a, he's a pretty valuable player. So I, I like him a lot. Yeah, like I'd say you're in good standings with that. Um, and then you mentioned it. We talked about it for a little bit. Career high, 15 points for Usman Jang. He played more minutes than anyone on the team other than the starting five. Uh, J-Dub looked good. Six guys were in double digits last night. But another big thing that stood out because it's local interest here, Trey Young had his return game, and Lou Dort had him in prison all game long. Trey may have finished with 23 points, but Dort held the all-star to 31% from the field and 1 of 7 from 3. Yeah, it's not a... It was not a great. Uh, it was not a great true shooting percentage last night for uh, for our man Trey. Um, so um, I don't know. It's uh, of course they got they got they got soap opera going down down there in Atlanta with uh, Trey and and uh, his coach not getting along. Um, Nick McMillan is a pretty solid guy, well respected. I don't know that Trey's doing himself any favors getting crossways he will win the war if he wants to go to war with nate mcmillan because the superstars always do but there will be some collateral damage in reputation and maybe even in performance so i hate to see that from trey um and lynn you add lou dort to the mix and it doesn't help a bit because lou dort yeah lou you mentioned jante murray you know matched up against shea DeJounte Murray looks like the perfect defender for Shea because he's built a lot like him. You know, tall, slender, long arms, great defender. But uh, Lou Dort was the defensive star of the game last night with uh, with the way he made life miserable for Trey Young. Trey looked like he had even given up even looking at the basket in the first half. Now, he got cooking a little bit in the second half. But he he basically didn't want any part of Lou Dort in that first half. Well, and that's a special type of defender that he is. I mean, Dort has been maligned a little bit just about some of his shooting and different play, but 
there's no question about it. When there's a premier guy on the other team, Lou Dort is the one you want on him. And then before we get out of uh, this topic and move on to the next one, I wanted to close the game out talking about just some growth from Josh Guinea. He's continued to improve and find himself more comfortable as a number two ball handler and player next to Shea during Shea's meteoric rise this season. Giddy had a couple of big threes last night and went four for four from the line during crunch time when the Thunder needed him the most. Yeah, he's he's been looking good the last couple of days. He's he's going to the basket more, which I like, and he seems to be getting some more, what's the word, confidence in his three-point shot. Now he's at 28.8%, which is still horrible. But he had a couple of big ones last night. Uh, that deep one from the top of the key was really big. So, um, you know, his he's just – Josh Giddy reminds me of something else Bill James said. If, Michael, if you're around me very much longer, you're going to realize I love to quote Bill James. Uh, Bill James talked about – once talked about Chuck Klein. Chuck Klein was a slugger for the Philadelphia – uh, Phillies in the late 20s, early 30s. And he was always sort of a lightning rod figure because he had these big numbers, but he played in a small ballpark in a big hitting era. And people questioned his value as like a Hall of Fame candidate or a superstar, whatever. And Bill James once made the point said, I recognize everything everybody says about his shortcomings and his circumstances. But when you look at the record, there's just too much there to not say something's going on with this guy in a positive way. And that's the way I feel about Josh Giddy. There's just too much there. I mean, he's averaging 7.6 rebounds a game. He's the leading rebounder on this team. One of the leading rebounders among guards. He might lead the league in guard rebounding. I don't know. And he's 5.5 assists. He's close. Wouldn't surprise me if by the end of the season he's surpassed Shea as the leading assister on the team. And he scores at the basket pretty good, and he's a wonderful passer. And, you know, he gets lost on defense, and he can't shoot. And that's two big things. But everything else, there's just too much there on that list I had of the best Thunder rookie seasons ever. He's third on the list. Third best Thunder rookie ever was – Jason uh, uh, was Josh Giddy. So uh, I like what I've seen the last couple of two or three games. You know, we talked a week ago or so that he didn't seem to be meshing um, some sophomore jinx stuff going on, but maybe he's starting to break out of that a little bit here as this season moves, moves forward. Where are they up to? They're up to 22 games. So, uh, or no, 24 games, 20, uh, yeah, 24 games. So we're closing in on the, third of the way through the season and he's starting to find his footing so i'm i mean i'm encouraged i'm guessing the only two rookies better than josh giddy were uh byron mullins and alexei pokashevsky well you you forget about you you forget about people uh, I, I think you forget about people like dj white and, oh uh, yeah <laughs> who, who who's the other one uh you say that i think poke out of my 20 poker he he ranked last he was number 20 <laughs> he was number 20 because remember, I, I set the games at 30. Had to play at least 36 games because I wanted Dort on the list. Mm. Um, so, um, but anyway, yeah, it's uh, he, he was really good as a rookie. And he's, he's uh, starting to play like he's going to be even better this year. 
I'm looking forward to uh, seeing the whole list. But just to backpack off that, I wanted to talk to you today about just Shea and Giddy finding a rhythm together. The Thunder have won their last three games, as we mentioned. And Shea, along with Josh Giddy, seemingly have found a bit of a groove on the floor together. Shea didn't play in the first one of the streak against San Antonio, but over the last two against Minnesota and Atlanta, it feels like they've found something. So I just wanted to ask you, is there anything specific happening or just is this a nice stretch? Is it just the right opponents or have you seen anything recently uh, different for these two guys in the court that you think is nice or repeatable? Well, I don't I'm not an insider. I don't know. But here's a couple of my observations. Last week we talked about I've seen mounting frustration with Shea and the defensive game planning that's going up against him. I've seen that sort of subside the last couple games. Didn't see it in Minnesota where he didn't get off. uh, I can't remember if he got off to a good start. But last night clearly, you know, only 12 points, no trips to the foul line. Reasons for frustration, but I didn't see it. It appears to me that SGA, in a small way, is acquiescing to Giddy more than he was, say, a week or two ago. And if so, that's very good. Um, I see Giddy leading a few more fast breaks, which I think he's very good in the uh, in the open court. So, uh, just some of those things. Um, I. And and it may be just a case also of, you know, they're just playing through it and, you know, getting getting more things done as as we go. Um, You know, they ended up not playing a full season together last year because of the shutdown of both. So it's not like these guys, this is not C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard yet. Maybe one day it will be, but it's not yet. So they're still getting used to each other, getting accustomed to each other. So, uh, But I definitely like the direction these last two or three games. Absolutely. I'd be surprised if they played more than 50 games together just so far in the last two years. But just in this last stretch, Shea over the last two games, as I mentioned, he didn't play against San Antonio. He's averaging 34 points, 5.5 assists, 3.5 rebounds, 2.5 steals, and shooting 100% from the line, Barry, 27 of 27, and 51% from the field. Just ridiculous. It is. He's got that, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to get that 40% three-point deal, so the 50 50 40 90 splits probably not going to happen but um his field goal percentage is as outstanding and you know i think he's second in the nba in foul shooting and i forgot who leads but whoever it is has only shot like 40 free throws all season and you just said what is Shea the last three games 36 or something just in the last three games in the last two yeah he's averaging 34 well, there you go. So it's just nuts uh, how good he is at, at efficiency. And we're sort of used to that, and we're sort of not. Because we had you know, we had a lot of years with a guy named Durant and a lot of years with a guy named Westbrook. And one was really efficient and one was really not. And um, it's sort of cool to have a, a star again who's really efficient and gets 30-something points without going – you know, 32 shots or 34 shots or whatever it is. So, um, you know, sign me up for the for the Shea show. I'm all for it. Yeah, it never feels like he's shooting too many, even when he gets to those 30s and things like that. It right. feels like 
nothing's really forced other than a few games here and there. It feels like a couple of possessions. But moving on to Josh yeah. Giddy during the stretch. Let, oh, me, go ahead. let me ask you one. Before, but let me ask you one question about SGA. How often do you watch a Thunder game and say, "Oh, SGA just took a bad shot"? Hardly ever. Hardly ever. Now, every once in a while, he might shoot a three a little quicker than you want. But outside of that, it's gung ho on all the shots he takes. That that he started, you know, he, he started hit shooting a lot of those twelve foot baseline shots that are really, uh, really going in. And anytime he goes to the basket, you know, everybody in Oklahoma cheers because he's so good at that. Um, and his step back at the set at the elbow is is always good. So every shot he takes is let's go, that's good. You know, you never wince when he's about to launch. No, other than a couple of those sidestep threes, there's not many shots where like, well, I just feel like he settled there. It feels like he gets a good shot right. almost every time down the floor. Right, 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 right. And then for Giddy, over the last three games, he's averaging 17 points, under two turnovers per game, 10 rebounds, one block, five assists, two and a half steals, and he's seven of eight from the line during that stretch, including 43% from the field, which could be, you know, a little bit better. And then most importantly, you know, small games, small sample size over the last three games, five of 12 from deep, that's good for 42% from three. He can get above 30% this year, I'll, I'll salute him and say, good job. He's at twenty eight eight now, I think I said. So uh he's not gonna turn into he's not gonna turn into Clay Thompson anytime soon. And probably not ever. No, but definitely, I mean if you just average out not ever. No. If you just average out just, his other skills, if he can get to thirty four percent, that's huge. Oh yeah, if he can get to thirty four, it'd be fantastic. That's no doubt about it. Him and Dort are sort of in the same boat. And Dort actually is, you know, Dort struggled last night from deep, if I remember. Yeah, one of six. But Dort, Dort hadn't been bad, um, you know, this year. What is Dort? I mean, look at Dort. Dort is on three-pointers. Uh, Dort's 320, 32%. Um, so it, it's either one of those guys. If they can get it over that one-third threshold, get into the 34, you know, be still my heart, 35% range, then the Thunder would be sitting pretty. Oh, yeah. And then the last thing on Giddy here. Uh, during his game in Minnesota, he joined Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook as the only players in Thunder history to have a 20-point, 10-rebound, 5-assist, 2-steal, two 2-block two game. Yeah, that goes, that goes back to that just too much. I mean, he's uh, his rebounding is my favorite part of his game. I know the passing, he always does something really cool. But I just love the way he rebounds. Golly, nothing worse than you know, the biggest momentum shifts in basketball. The two biggest momentum deciders are a three-point shot and an offensive rebound. One really creates momentum. The other one just snuffs the life out of the opponent. You play good defense, you get the, you know, you get a dang stop, and the team still rebounds the rebounds the ball. And Giddy, he puts a stop to a lot of that just because he's such a good rebounder. He's got six. He's having six defensive rebounds a game, for crying out loud. Uh, nobody else on the team is averaging his – Shea's next at 3.8. So um, that's, a, that's a hidden skill of Giddy's. Well, that's, a, that's a hidden benefit that the Thunder possesses. I mean, that's just one of the great things you get out of having a bigger guard back there is he has more size to go get there, go in there and get those boards. But he's great at just, like, timing things and being opt- – opportunistic and being in the right spots more than anything. 
Yeah, he's um, he and and he doesn't get pushed around a lot. Of course, he's a big, strong kid. No reason why he should. But yeah, I, I still like everything about Josh Giddy, from his hair to his accent to his game. Sign me up. I'm on. I'm on the Australian bandwagon. Absolutely. And then um, we mentioned a little bit earlier talking about the rookies, and I wanted to talk about the rookies' rallyings with some strong play in the last few weeks. Uh, if you want to go into Usman Jang again, or we can talk about Jalen Williams, who we talked about maybe a couple weeks ago. I never get tired of talking about Santa Clara. Here's what I'm starting to wonder. I'm starting to wonder about his upside. What kind of a player can he be? Because he's, he's pretty good right now. You don't ever want to, you don't want to do two things. You don't want to set unre, un, unrealistic expectations on a guy. And you also don't want to limit a guy. So I'm interested in what this guy, how good can this guy be? Is he... Is his upside Tobias Harris, or could he be better than that? Um, I could think he be. Uh, that that's that's the things I'm wrestling with. What can he be? Just a really good player that stuffs the stat sheet and does the little things and just helps you win in a big time way. Or can he be more than that? I don't. I'm just, I'm intrigued by that question. No, it's a very important one to ask. I think that right now he projects as sort of a, a Swiss Army knife guy who can just plug and play in any position. I mean, people have to remember just with his ceiling that he is older than Josh Giddy, Poku, and a lot of the other guys on the team because he spent three years of college, which is evident in how you watch him play because he has an NBA body already. He plays really smart. He takes good shots. But I'm really excited to see him going forward. I mean, Barry... He is the exact type of guy the Thunder have been searching for since Kevin Durant was on the team. Yeah. You know, I wonder. It's, I shouldn't wonder. I shouldn't say wonder. There's no reason to think about wondering. But, you know, the, the influx of these guys that are high upside type guys, Giddy, even a Dort, um, Santa Clara, you know, the Thunder was hard-pressed to add those guys when they were riding high with Durant and Westbrook. But, of course, the reason's obvious. They were picking 25th, 28th, 27th in the draft. You know, you get Santa Clara at 11, get Giddy at 5 or 6, wherever he was. 6, I think. 6. Um, and then um, now Dort fell out of the sky on top of your head. That'd been nice if he'd have fallen out of the sky on top of their head in 2014. But, you know, that's just the way it works. Um, and that's the way you build a team. That's why, that's why you go after those draft picks. And, um, and the Thunder has done it the right way. They're, they're getting, trying to get as high a pick as they can and as many pick as they can, because when you, when you pick often, you know, it's like the Chicago elections from the sixties, they used to say, vote early, vote often, draft early, draft often. That's the way to, that's the way to uncover jewels. And they have with some of these guys. Yeah, drafting is an exact science. You're picking these guys at 19, 20 years old and trying to figure out what they're going to be when they're 24, 25, which is just extremely hard. And then um, you just want to give yourselves as many bites at the apple as possible, which the Thunder are doing with all these draft picks. And just the law of averages says you're going to hit on a few guys the more you pick around that range. 
Yeah, here's the, here's the way I look at these this drafting of the guys. I would say drafting the top five or six is an inexact science. I would say that drafting after that is an art. It's not an art. It's just uh, it's expressionism. It's uh, you know seeing what other people don't see. It's not it's not anything close to a science. So you know if 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 you had Here's a way, fun way, I think, to look at it. If you took a, any draft, we can take this most recent draft, when Zhang went, he went 11 and Santa Clara 12. Yes. And then whoever, whoever, whoever. Um, if you took the 10 teams that picked 11 to 20 and shuffled them around and just gave everybody different picks, um you might have many of the same teams picking the same guys because nobody necessarily at Jang or Santa Clara automatically, you know, 11 and 12. You know, whoever, I can't even remember who picked after them, but let's throw somebody out there, the Knicks or whoever, whoever might have been picking 14 or 17. They might have gone for whoever they picked. It's just who you like. It's not necessarily clearly – Jabari Smith and and you know Benchero and, and Holmgren and and Murray and, and Ivy, you know everybody agreed that's the five or six best players, so they're going to go, you know, in, in an order that most people could get very close to. You get down into the teens, that's not that way. It's just it's dealer's choice. It's an art, not a science. Yeah, I mean, those guys are in that range because there are questions about their game. Jalen Williams was a guy who played three years of college and was a late riser, mainly in the draft process and the combine. Usman Jang is this unknown guy who's 19 out of um, France who played in a lower league, didn't even play in the Euro League. So there's definitely reasons why guys go lower. It's not like, you know, even in the Giannis draft, he went low. It's not because people were just dumb and didn't know what they were talking about. There were legitimate questions about, you know, what is he going to do? And then he comes up to camp in Milwaukee and grows three inches. So all this draft stuff is just crazy. But luckily, the Thunder seemingly have the right guy in Sam Presti um, driving the car here for this Thunder rebuild. Yeah, and it's uh, and I think we started. It's a fun team to watch. I got to admit, there have been times in the last two years, Thunder was not a fun team to watch. I watched them, but I had to make myself watch them. I did it out of duty. I would guess outside of people who were paid to watch the team and basically have to watch, I would probably rank in the top 10, not 10%, not 10 percentile, top 10 in terms of just flat out watching the Thunder the last two years. Because I literally watched every second of every game unless there was some sort of streaming foul up. I, was, you know, I think I missed five minutes of a Laker game. Then Bally's flipped the wrong switch against Phoenix last year. I missed half the first quarter. So I've been watching them faithfully, but not always joyfully. It's been drudgery, and it's been difficult. And it's not difficult to watch this team. I think they're a lot of fun. No, this is a team on the way up, and the truth is they're going to get good pretty soon, and you want to see these guys early before you know they start getting in some of these bigger games and Chet Holmgren comes back, but... I've had a great time watching these guys. Even if you just say, hey, I just want to watch Shea go out there and score 30, you're still going to have a good time, and there's going to be other guys 
from this Thunder team and other teams around the NBA, they're going to be very entertaining to watch. So definitely a team that's worth your time, worth the price of admission to go out and see. Yeah, you know, Isaiah Joe, who's just been a phenom uh, from deep for the Thunder. What's his, let's see what he, uh, Isaiah Joe, he's up to uh, he's up to 46% from deep. Um, none of us had ever heard of Isaiah Joe four weeks ago, five weeks ago, whenever he came, whenever he came. I can't remember. But anyway, um, watching Aaron Wiggins, who is sort of Santa Clara light, an older guy picked in the second round of the draft. He's a good player. He's a solid player. He can play in the NBA. Uh, and watching, you know, watching Poku turn into a, a real NBA player, that's sort of fun. Now, he doesn't, you know, sometimes he misses. He threw up an air ball last night. Uh, and that that just happens. But um, watching these guys, to me, is is fairly enjoyable. And you look at this dang age, you know, you're looking at, you're looking at Muscala, 31, Kenrich Williams, 28, and that's the end of it. Everybody else out, everybody else in the roster is 24 or younger. It, it's um, wild to think now, that I'm covering an NBA team and I'm 25 and every guy is younger than me <laughs> except for two. Well, wait till you, well, wait until you get to the point where uh, all the coaches are younger than you. I mean, I remember the first time, I remember the first time uh, the OU or OSU football coach, I realized is younger than me. It was very sobering. Now, of course, everybody's younger than me, but, uh, but that's true. These guys are just so dang young. I mean, they can, they often have a lineup of something like, I don't know, Zhang, Giddy, Man, Poku, and Santa Clara. They could, I don't know if they five have played together, but they could easily. I mean, you got your, you got your center, you got your two big wings, you got a point guard, a shooter. So that's a lineup they might've used. Nobody I mentioned is 22. Literally all of them are under 22. So it's it's a work in progress, but it, it's it's a lot of fun to watch. It's crazy. Yeah, they're the second youngest team in NBA history, only behind the Thunder last year. Yeah, and uh, the and what a difference a year makes because this team is much better than that team for sure. Um, I mean, they're they're 11 and 13. I don't, you know, I don't, they're not making the playoffs. They don't want to make the playoffs, but, you know, they're right. They're knocking on the door of the play-in right now. Now, there's not a lot of teams they can catch in the West, and there's one team behind them that's going to catch them. So that's the Lakers. So they're not going to, you know, this is not a team that's going to be a playoff contender, going to contend to make the playoffs. The Thunder will be in the lottery but they won't have great odds at the lottery ball release because they got just too much talent and they're too well coached and they're playing they're playing really well now if SGA gets shut down again or giddy or whatever that's different i mean this is a team without a point guard past those two guys and Trey Mann is not an ideal 13 point guard Santa Clara Williams probably would handle the duties so they got a lot of flaws, and they might end up, t- you know, tanking again and losing fourteen out of seventeen at some point. But as long as their guys play, they're a competitive team. They're a competitive team. That's what I was going to say. They're just competitive. I don't think that you're going to be able to catch the Houston's and the Orlando's and Detroit's of the world just because you have Shea on your team. He just makes your floor too high. Maybe something catastrophic. Hopefully not. Knock on wood happens, and you could get dip down, but. 
this season to me is just gravy and the guy who you need on this roster is already on the team. He's just not playing. So I would just like to think as yeah, right. Chet as the first round pick, plus if you get eight or whatever in this draft, that's awesome. Yeah. No, oh, yeah. I, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah, the the next year's rookie class is already a home run just because Chet Holmgren's going to be in it. But you, know, you look at where this team is, they're a game and a half behind the, war, the Golden State Warriors and the Dallas Mavericks. Who are, you know, one's the world champion and one's was considered a West contender. So, um, it, it's yeah. I don't know if they can. I don't know if they want to be the Cavaliers who, you know, spent last season, especially about this time, caught fire and you know became an Eastern force before falling at the end. And I think they lost in the play-in, if I remember. But anyway. You know, they, I don't think they want to do that. No reason to. Um, but I wonder sometimes if they're capable of that. They might be where Cleveland was last year. So it's it's something to it's something to keep an eye on. For sure. And Presti's talked about it. You only get one chance to press that button to push the rebuild forward. And you see these teams that have already done it, and they just did it too early, like Atlanta did with Dejounte Murray. They have no more moves left. Uh, Charlotte pushed yeah. in and picked up. Um, different guys like Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier. They're not going anywhere. Um, no, Minnesota with no. Rudy Gobert. So I think that Presti and the Thunder are going to be very patient with this and wait for the right opportunity and not just push all their chips in because they're getting angsty or whatever just to do it. No, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. And um, the contracts are working out well. Dort on the first year of a five. SGA on the first year of a five. Giddy's a second-year guy. You know they got they got time to they got time to worry about it. They don't have to make any rash decisions here in the next twelve to eighteen months, or even just try to fix problems you don't know if you have or not yet. But this rebuild should be interesting right. for sure. And then the last thing before we get out of here that I wanted to talk to you about is just Mark Dagnalt in general as the head coach of this team. He's in his third season as head coach. He has a 57 and 121 record but just wanted to ask you how you can evaluate him as a head coach because I think a lot of people and Thunder fans know like players coaches are not all graded on the same scale here's what I don't know here's what I'll probably never know Mark Dagnall didn't have to coach Russell Westbrook the older we all get the more we realize that's difficult work that's a difficult assignment that does not that does not come easy trying to get Westbrook to do things you want him to do in a, in a concept with others so um, knowing that I'm not comparing him much with Scott Wright or Billy Donovan because they did have to coach Westbrook. And while there's some talent blessings that come from that, there's also some headache, you know, stuff. But here's what I would say. I like a lot of things. They seem to play very hard. They seem to be very organized. They, he has a clear message. It, to us, it seems like a clear message. Play faster uh, is like example A. And 
that's a message he imparts at them all the time. And then minute things like um, out-of-bounds plays, like plays with 2.2 seconds left, taking the ball in at half court. It seems an upgrade over what we've seen in the past. Now, again, Dagnall doesn't have to deal with the personalities that other coaches have had to deal with here. So, you know, give this team to Billy Donovan and he might come up with all kinds of innovations. But those things seem to be an upgrade. So I like everything I see about Dagnall. I really do. Yeah, I love the good habits that they're building. It feels like the first real offense that they've had other than the Billy Donovan year with Chris Paul. But when you have Chris Paul, that's you're going to play through Chris Paul. That's just how it goes. But they just seem more disciplined. They have a real identity. Uh, they're taking good shots. Obviously, they're a younger team. And as these guys will get older, they'll get a little bit more of an ego on certain things and want to have certain things done their way. But Shea is the model superstar so far. And Mark, um, I think he does a really good job getting these guys prepared and getting them in good positions because he's been dealt not the greatest hand over the last couple of years when you have different G League guys coming in and out, and they're almost always competitive. I mean, there were games where fans were wanting them to tank, and they're winning with Isaiah Roby on the road, hitting eight threes against Portland or Denver when Mark is just somehow putting together uh, you, me, and three guys from the stands out there and making a competitive team. Yeah, I, I covered that game last year in Salt Lake at the end of the year when, you know, I didn't know three-fifths of the starting lineup. I mean, you guys had just got to town a week earlier. It was, it was just ridiculous. But um, I think he's done a very solid job. You know, you look at you look at uh, uh, Donovan leaving a few years ago. And when that have been? He'd have left after. Uh, it was after 20, the bubble. He left in yeah. October of 2020, I guess, or yep. September, whenever that was. Um, when you look at that, um, and you know, it seemed pretty clear Donovan didn't want to coach a rebuild. Well, his record now in two and a half seasons at Chicago is 86 and 91. And at the time, it seemed the Bulls had a much better immediate future but the thunder had the better long-term future well the immediate future was not all that rosy for the bulls and the long-term future for the thunder is even rosier so i think it's it's sort of interesting that donovan probably he might have messed up might have. I they mean, they're another one of those teams that pressed the button a little bit too early. They traded for Vucevic. They signed DeMar DeRozan to a big deal, and they're still a middling team who can't really get out of the first round or might even be in the play-in this year. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, so, uh, but yeah, no, Dagnall's been great. I think uh, I think it's very, I think it's very, uh, everything we've seen has been very good. So, uh, I like it. I like it a lot. Yep, same here. I'm looking forward to more Thunder basketball. They will play um, on Wednesday night against, I think it's Memphis, or is it Cleveland? I think, yeah, Cleveland. They'll play against Cleveland, which should be a lot of fun. Another young team up and coming. Uh, should be a fun game to watch. But, Barry, you mentioned you had your top rookies in Thunder history, but is there anything else you have to plug before we get out of here? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd recommend people go to my Scissor Tales. I've been producing some cool lists. Um 
you know, I had one, what was it last week? I had one about, uh, uh, about Santa Clara, the, the rookie list from, um, that we mentioned earlier. Um, there's a little bit of a surprise, uh, a little bit of a, of a surprise. The number one rookie in Thunder history in terms of best season in Thunder history by a rookie. Any guesses? I think you said it was DJ White earlier. I was just kidding around. Oh, he's, he didn't. Yeah, I'm just. He's too. He's too young. He was that first year. He wasn't any good at all. Oh, uh, best I just, I was rookie just in Thunder history. The best rookie in Thunder history. I'll just shot in the dark. Alex Abrinas. Why not? It's actually Serge Ibaka. Wow. Serge beat out Westbrook and James Harden, which and Josh Giddy. That's the top four, which is really stout company. But Serge. So I, I I got a list like that. I got a list yesterday of uh, the corner threes. I'm fascinated by the corner threes and how um, the Thunder can get more of them, who needs to shoot them, that kind of thing. That was in my scissor tails from yesterday. Uh, so I'm just doing a lot of stuff like that. You know, it's a long season. You can't go you can't go uh, um, doing a lot of uh, you know, uh, stories, personal stories, because you, you'll run out of content if you do that. So, and then last week, uh, one thing I really enjoyed, we, we got the news that Santa Clara was Rookie of the Month in the Western Conference. I went and did a study on how Rookies of the Month, how much is that a predictor of future career? In other words, Josh Giddy was a four-time winner of the Rookie of the Month last year. Does that mean he's likely to be a star in the NBA, or does anybody do that? So I thought that was really interesting. I think fans would enjoy seeing that. Absolutely. Barry's all, always a must-read, no matter what you're writing about, that's for sure. But thank you all for listening to our podcast. We are the Thunder Buddies. We are brought to you by the Oklahoman. We will be back on Friday. Make sure to check out all our social medias. I'll have a new Twitter up and running, hopefully by this week or next week at the latest. But again, thank you so much for listening. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.